This is Oblivion with David Miller and David Overby. So, uh, yep, it's, uh, oh yeah, it's June 1st, 2020. It's uh, another... Hello. Hello. Yeah, you're starting to come in now. Oh, yeah, I must have cut out. Uh, her phone may behave differently. I guess I better keep an eye on it. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, yeah. So it's uh, June first, twenty twenty. Beautiful day here in Oblivion. Um, A beautiful day in Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, that'll have to be our T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm write that down. It's a good one. Uh, um. <clears throat> yep, so what a week, man. But holy shit. Um, yep. Yeah. Of course, we've kind of had, you know, in our predictions and prognostications, vague references to unrest, et cetera, et cetera. And we both pretty much thought it was going to be inevitable. Um, um, I don't know if either one of us thought it was going to snap off that quick and through that reason but uh, <laughs> uh, right no i think it the, what's interesting to me is that uh reality is i think proving us more right than we have ourselves right right i mean the the systems and institutions have literally all collapsed at once yeah it's it's chaos and, you know, and it's not the, the element of, you know, it's yet to come, the element of the economic downturn, those kind of uh, unrest events, rebellion events. Well, I think that the current civil unrest is already beyond the murder of George Floyd. Sure, yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of... I've seen a lot of solid. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's oh, yeah, no yeah. insult to him or his family. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the main reason that, that that one event was so significant in the first place is how common it is. And there was one protester, I think on Friday night, they got in front of the camera and, and said, you know, you're you're part of the problem. If, if, if you're not going to report, if you're not going to say that the police have to quit killing people, you're part of the problem. And, and another thing is there is a significant cross-section of people in these protests. If you want to talk about diversity, I mean, this is not just simply a bunch of black people from a black neighborhood, which is, I think, how Ferguson was. You know, this is, there are as many people, whites as blacks and blacks as, as whites and uh it does seem to be a pretty powerful movement. Another thing I was thinking about is, you know, you and I have uh, spent a lot of time talking about the 1960s from a cultural and political standpoint is I think what makes this a lot more uh, just completely destabilizing is that in this, in the 60s, uh, the protest was tied in with a big peace and love movement. And we don't really have 
a big peace and love movement going on at all. In fact, I would really characterize the last decades of the 20th century, especially in the United States, as an outright uh, backlash against the counterculture. Um, not that it isn't well, still I mean, somewhat. I, uh, I always counter with that in that I think, you know, if you go back to the time, uh, the counterculture was, I mean, much more than it is uh, the remnants of it or the proponents of it or, or whatnot. I mean, it was a tiny minority in those times. I mean, it was, con- and it was considered totally, you know, reviled throughout the, um, you know, mainstream media pretty much still is. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. But, uh, but at least know, it was ascendant think, in the late sixties is all I'm saying. It was, it was ascendant. Like it was at least burgeoning, you know, Woodstock was a, was a major cultural event. Right. You know, that, that was not just, yeah. Oh, look, you know, the people are starting together in the park and, um, mm-hmm. you know, wear peasant dresses and play acoustic guitar. I mean, there was a quarter of a million people right. just from everywhere in the right. country yeah. converged, you know, and now instead of having something like that happen, you've got people, it's, it's, uh, it's multiplying and people are spreading into the major urban areas, but there's no celebration of peace and music. That's for sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these things kind of start out with some segments trying to put out a good vibe, but this is hardcore, man. No, this is for sure urban warfare. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was it was interesting. I on Friday night, Nancy found this uh, live feed of uh, uh, WDRB. Uh, mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, I think, a Fox affiliate maybe in Louisville. I believe um, it is, yes. Channel 41. Right. It was down, um, he was downtown uh, covering the event. And uh, we started watching 10 o'clock maybe, something like that. And uh, he was around 5th and Jefferson. And, you know, there was a cordon there and they were blocking off the road. I guess there's some cop justice, some kind of thing near there. And so they were cordoning off Jefferson Street uh, um, from at Fifth Street, and uh, you know I watched that for quite a while. And you know at one point the cops, you know they were throwing throwing a lot of bottles at them, and the cops eventually you know shot off some tear gas. Uh, the reporters got got a face full of it, so she got to see about ten minutes of them recovering from that. Um, and, uh, you know, cho- choking and coughing, uh, he described what it was like, so that was kind of interesting. But, uh, so, you know, that kind of went on for a little bit. And then then later, probably 1130 or something like that, he he walked down 4th Street. He had a, uh, he was like, had, must have had like a, more like a phone that he was live streaming. And then he had a cameraman with him, uh, <clears throat> with a full-size camera. Uh, so they walked down 4th Street Live uh, towards the river, I guess. You know, you know how it is now. It's it's an open street now. It's not closed off like it was. Uh, oh, okay. So it's just basically there's kind of like a shed over one part where the gallery used to be, but you can just. So they're, they're probably going to open up Louisville to some uh, automobile traffic. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I mean they. 
they did this quite a few years ago and turned it into this current form. But anyway, so he he walked down the street and he saw some evidence that it was just starting of a little vandalism. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't long before, you know, some people were coming in there and really smashing stuff up and turning over the flower pots and there was these gigantic planter things that they, somebody knocked over or whatever. Um, and they were walking around there. And, of course, the cops are never there. They're a fucking block away, right? Right. They never show up, right? And uh, so they, um, which, you know, my later analysis, that that's part of the plan, of course. They sit there. They're going to, quote, protect their judicial areas. And they let all this leave. stuff start up first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know, it's it's likely the cop sniffer, bootlicker, fucking, or if not even paid by them, people, uh, you know, they know they can go in there and smashy, smashy. And and to kind of prove, you know. Well, they're all probably friends. What? You know, and they're all probably friends, and they where they hang out in overlapping circles. And it's right. like, yeah. hey, why don't you have your people do this, and then we'll yeah. come in and. Yeah, well, I actually thought wink, on wink, Thursday nod, night, nod. what's that? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually thought, remember on Thursday night when... You're, you're a little um, quiet there. I don't know. Oh, okay. Is this better? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, let me uh, let me adjust one thing real quick. Um, uh, let's see. Um, oh, that's much better. On, 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 the, on Thursday night... Am I, am I coming in well? Yeah. Okay. On, uh, on on Thursday night when those people scaled the fence and they wound up burning down the third precinct in Minneapolis, uh-huh. looking back on that, even just in 24 hours, it's hard to believe that that wasn't planned. I mean, I really think that they just said, you know, all right, you know, this is what we'll do. We'll let them just destroy stuff and it'll scare the public. And then the the public, as always, will be eager just to let us have this incredible amount of power. Because right, right. it just doesn't make sense that they couldn't have seen this mm-hmm. coming. What's especially ridiculous is when they, then on Friday, it it got even worse. And so it, it just seems like, you know, let them run wild. And uh, I do think that there are overlapping circles among all these different groups. I mean, it's an interconnected world. You know, that's why we have a contagion. So yeah, and I was gonna, um, I was going to say to finish up the the viewing of the live stream, which yeah, you know, is kind of interesting in that you become sort of a live witness of the same thing, at least from that camera view, you know. So you're right. kind of like you know you before these journalists would go down there, they would might get some footage, but you wouldn't get the whole fucking thing, you know, nonstop and right. unedited and. Um, so at one point there was this uh, white girl that had gotten a video of a, of the of one white male was the only person that did it was the one that smashed up the fifth third bank on Fourth Street mm-hmm. and uh, you know this obvious video this white guy had a pipe and he was bashing in bashing the windows there just kind of nonchalantly it wasn't like very vigorous or anything he was just going at it you know. And yeah, I was like, okay, all right. And then they then they interviewed a they interviewed a uh, kind of a local uh, restaurant 
person on Fourth Street that a lot of smashing had happened. And he mm-hmm. was pissed off that the cops hadn't got there, right? You know, rightly, right. you know. Uh, he was disappointed there wasn't protection. You know, duh, no reason not to. They were a fucking block away. Right. Uh, and, of course, it was about mm, 15 minutes after that that cops showed up and there were lights everywhere. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, so, um, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Mike... Yeah, so, and then, uh, what was it? I saw something about uh, somebody died last night in Louisville. Um, well, seven people were shot, I think, on the uh, Right, but there was, Thursday that was something evening. I just saw on BBC this morning. I don't know if you'd seen that. I don't know. Uh, I didn't get any details about it, but anyway. Yeah, I saw, someone the, in I saw a video. Died? I saw, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know. I haven't really been on there since, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, the, um, what night was it? It was a Thursday night that the seven people were shot. Um, that's also very so. weird. And I saw, I saw a, um, a live streaming slash quote journalist who was nearby that when that happened. Um, they, the crowd was getting really fucking rowdy and they were trying to turn over uh, the police paddy wagon yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you saw those videos, but um, they failed because the fucking thing was too heavy for you know. But um, but anyway, it was right after that that the shooting happened. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what the, if it was, what was up with that. If it was just some wild, crazed person shooting or was it a cop provocateur, you know. Well, one thing I, I would I would point out is that given the fact that seven people were shot in, in Louisville, I think that Louisville's gotten very little coverage really? nationally. And I think on the whole, the uh, the coverage has been, you know, very right wing corporate. Really? And uh, I've made it a point, um, especially the last three nights, you know, Friday, Saturday and Sunday night to watch all three networks just kind of regularly, you know, whenever one would go to a break or whenever I had been watching one for a while, just because I'm interested to see how they compare. Hmm. And the thing, the, the thing is, is, um, well, I wouldn't deny that there are some differences. Uh, definitely, uh, the three networks are more similar than they are different in how they have been covering the protests, which I think is quite uh, revealing and significant. And it also uh, confirms, you know, my feeling that really all of the media are just right wing and conservative because they're driven by their corporate sponsors. And one uh, example I can give of the similarity is the format that is used. Well, there are two main, two main similarities, the format and the language. The format is to always have this intrusive effect of these constant interviews. And so what that does is it's always kind of breaking up or interfering with your direct processing of the action itself, what's going on on the streets. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, uh, if you follow me, there's a, you'll be looking at just the protest, and then the screen will minimize. You've got to bring in the the face of the talking head mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you got let's get in another expert and most of the time surprise surprise these experts are all 
FBI, ex-FBI, ex-police, tactical person this, you know, special ops that. And what they're trying to do is this. And that's on all the networks. But then even somebody like MSNBC will cut to an interview with a, a black person. But this black person, of course, is a African-American studies professor at Princeton. Like that person isn't any less white than I am. And here they are just you know, talking about these things. They don't have anything to say. It, they're just, it's these cliche um, lines that we've heard several times before about how we can feel and understand the rage, but we can't be destructive and all of this. And it's like you're just as removed uh, really as anybody, as any privileged white person is from, from what's really uh, going on. I don't think this really has anything to do with Martin Luther King or Gandhi. This isn't 1968. It's definitely its own thing. As far as the language goes, it's been very predictable in terms of, for the most part, depicting the protesters as troublemakers and the bad guys and the violent people, right? Uh, a, a typical example is violent protests erupt across the nation or uh, violent protests escalate uh, in cities across America, right? Instead of saying that there are protests and violence, or I think the, the best uh, or phrase protest and, and property damage. I mean, violence. Exactly. Even better, you know, protest yeah. and, and, and property damage, because that's more accurate. Right. And good reporting is always about being accurate. The you know, violence is when one man kneels on another man's <laughs> neck and tortures and kills him. Especially to do it out in public, because that's a that's a hardcore act of intimidation. You know, it's bad enough to do that in a warehouse or abandoned construction site like they do in the movies. But, you know, this is just to do it right in, in the middle of the street, because you're not just killing that guy. You're sending a message to, all right, you know, the rest of you, uh, you know what, um, you know, this is, you know, you're next. There's the big, uh, you know, popular American theme of, you know, who's going to get their ass handed to them next? You know, who's going to, who are we going to come after and uh, and and uh, cause pain to and destroy uh, next? But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the depiction of the protesters as violent is completely biased against the protesters. Uh, the other problem with uh, the the phrase violent protests is that. Uh, of course, not all of the protesters are violent, and some of the police have been violent, like when they just fire tear gas at peaceful protesters, journalists, and I've heard even children. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's definitely. I mean, did you, how is that not how is that not violent? But when I see, see did, did you see the that uh, the cop, young kid? No, no, the cops marching down the street in L.A. or I think it was L.A. and there was people out on the porch and they told them to get inside. And when they wouldn't, they, they opened fire with a paint gun. Did you see that? Cause they were all just on their porch. Yeah. They were fucking on the porch. They had a whole video of it getting, getting shot with these paint balls, which is another of their favorite things. To... Yeah. I mean, they definitely enjoy this and that's again, the whole problem. Just, I mean, it the... was the most Nazi fucking thing I'd ever seen. You know, like fucking cops marching down the middle of the fucking street and then like ordering people to go in their own homes. 
And I yeah. was like, what the fuck? That's that's the right word. I mean, it's it's the definitely it's definitely not the popular way to talk about it, but it's the right way. It's the truth. It's the accurate way to talk about it. It is it is Nazi yeah. uh, tactics. Fascist or whatever. Fa- total fascism. I mean, they're they're in these militarized uniforms, right. and their their behavior is just super aggressive and authoritarian. I mean, they're just being dictators. You know, they're making no effort to just be um, other people who are a part of the community. And it's like, and this is that's how a democracy or any society that is civilized and benevolent. Um, that's how your police would, would, would behave. But a major part of this whole problem is that the the system in general and the, the, and the society just accept this idea that uh, we have to have violence, that there, that there is violence. And so we're just going to go ahead and let, uh, and let the cops uh, be violent and use force. We're just going to authorize them to do that instead of the goal being let's not have any violence. Because right. if you say we can have violence and then you turn around and say well, the way we'll deal with the violence is to let our police be violent, then – uh, what you're definitely doing is um, you're, um, you're you're going to you're going to have violence, and then you're 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 risking the likelihood that in the long term the violence is going to escalate, and and that's one reason that I think uh, we've got to talk about Joe Biden because uh, I think in many ways we're seeing the long term effects of the 1994 crime bill that 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 biden if i'm not mistaken was the author of i mean not just a supporter of but he was the drug warrior extraordinaire and you know that's at the crux i think of all of this uh over policing over aggressive policing and you know police state prison state that we may like to say about uh, these protests or that they, they feel them or that they agree with them. Um, the, uh, I, I have no doubt that the majority of Americans uh, don't want to bring an end to the war on drugs because right? most of them are a bunch of drunks and they want to scapegoat people for doing other drugs. Right. And, I, and there's just also this, you know, through, indoctrination and or predilection there's this well i mean when you think about it just the the media and of all types and you know, and you know especially like tv totally glorifies cops right i mean you have these endless shows of cops bad boys uh, bad boys yeah well yeah there's that that classic reality tv one bad enough but then you have all the csi and chicago uh, pd yeah you know where where it blue blood yeah where it like depicts especially csi where it depicts the cop forensic people as being you know they can't do any of the shit that they show right so i mean cops (laughs) you know it's just all fiction you know right uh they're like superheroes they're all james bond Right, yeah, yeah, and that's just constant. So, I mean, 
you know, you can't really blame people when that is just constantly. Oh, well, you can definitely time. blame them. I'll blame them. Well, you know, I do I mean, blame them. Yeah, well, you can blame them, but I mean, there's a reason it just doesn't come out of some kind of. Well, there. I mean, you're correct to point out that there that that is one reason, but I think another reason is is that is that people get off on it. They get off on the violence. As long as it's happening somewhere else or to someone else, many Americans really enjoy watching yeah, sure. other people. I think get there's an element of that, but you know, I'm also. I mean, you gotta. I mean, it can't be denied that constantly having a pro-cop media just bombarded with it exacerbates whatever degree there are people that are, quote, get off on it or are just uh, bootlicker types or. Yes, but you, you know, could also you could also look at it. Uh, and it rewards from them, the other, you know, the bully types. Yes, it rewards yes, but them. You could also look at it. You could also look at it the other way, right? That because you have this lowest common denominator that gets off uh, vicariously through all of this violence and beating down of other people, you then in turn get a media apparatus that picks up on this is what people like. So let's keep feeding it to them. Right. So well, I but, think it goes I think it goes both ways. Sure, but there's another element that larger... here that like the the CSI thing. I mean, I think that um I mean, you're talking about the more brutalizing, you know, I enjoy seeing, you know, these darkies getting beat up kind of people, but there's also but also people, in... there's also the people that are given a positive view of the police and that showing them as being ultra competent scientists who are working for justice, you know, those shows never show the brutal cops, you know. Well, okay, but let me, let me, uh, that's a different kind of section, subsection or whatever of the cop lover, you know. Well, look, I mean, it's not like we have one television station and four TV shows and everybody watches CSI. I mean, you act like there's this one show out there. So everybody has been watching it since they were, you know, two months old, and it's just seared into their brain, and that's the way they think about it. In general, from all sorts of different angles, I think Americans just are psychopaths, and they're on a rampage through the world. They want to pollute and devour the planet. They want to contribute to climate change to the nth degree. And when it comes to how they interact with, to, with their fellow human beings, they want to see the other person get their ass handed to them. I mean, that's in their their own personal lives, you know, bracket the media influence for, for the moment. Mm-hmm. My dealings in terms of just one-on-one uh, relationships, you know, in the workplace and then, you know, attempting to have some sort of uh, culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I just find Americans to be insufferable. So there's there's just there's too much to it uh, besides right. the the this the, the way the media depicts things. I mean, and just to go back to the my uh, earlier point about comparing the three major media outlets, Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, especially MSNBC prides itself on saying we're not like Fox, we're the opposite of Fox, but they've been pretty much all three alike in how they've represented the protests. You know, it's definitely, you know, pro-military, pro-police. The protesters are bad. 
you know, there are there are the peaceful protesters, and then, uh, but then you have this other bad element, and in the end, it's just like I don't really give a damn about your window getting broken out when you're going to be the country of shock and awe. Right. Right. I mean, how can it be okay for us to go in other parts of the world and just blow up entire neighborhoods and just kill people and then turn around and say they broke my window and then people came in and they looted. Right. And the repetition of, of these images, the repetition of these images in comparison to how infrequently police killing black people, you know, mainly young black men, is, this, is so uh, overwhelming that it shows that the culture uh, does not want to uh, take an honest look at itself in terms of how uh, hateful and violent it is toward other human beings. And that it's always going to elevate these comparatively really benign acts. I mean, you can repair a window. There are youngsters all over the country that are playing baseball and the ball's going to break the neighbor's window at some point. Oh, no. Well, we'll fix the window. <laughs> I mean, but, the, but, uh, but Americans, um, uh, I mean, do you see the point I'm making about you, as a society? We, well, everybody yeah, knows I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to seem like a system of war. I don't want to seem like a Pollyanna, of course. You know, I, I'm not uh, – Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't really disagree with you that we have a horrible zeitgeist in this country. That is, just, that's a very good way of putting it, right there. The zeitgeist. Know, yes. That you know is just so. Uh, you know, it's really been grim all our life. It just seems to slowly get worse and worse without a, you know, any corrective action. Yeah. I mean, it just. Uh, yeah. There seems to be no. Uh, well, and, and <clears throat> you know, there was the, um, and I'll agree with you with your earlier point about, you know, how the 60s, there was this, um, quote, peace and love, or you might put it another way, a kind of our, our underlying basis of leftist thought and uh, yes. activism and such that was, was social consciousness social consciousness that and intellectualism right that um you just don't just seem like that gone. anymore yeah i mean uh, right and uh, that and that's a bad thing because you have this intense energy right, right going on with the protest movement but it's it's uh it's very much hardened mm -hmm. and just more primitive yeah, and what was going on in the and I mean, Bernie was definitely the evidence that, of course, it's still alive. That sort of, um, you know, really a lot of the uh, liberatory and desires are very popular with people, um, which it makes it all the more galling that he was such a chump and fucking handed it in like he did. You know, at this time, yeah, that's a good way to put it. If he had fucking stayed in there, you know, this would be going on. There would be like a decent voice, reputable voice right. there, you know, but instead that nothing. Right. I mean, have you heard from Bernie? I mean, of course not. Uh, emails, but you know, not I've really. been getting emails from him for 
yeah. five years. And, you know, emailing, sending emails at a time like this is just uh, kind of the quintessence of ineffectuality, inadequacy. I've got this. But it's uh, interesting that you bring up Bernie. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you did, because uh, if you think about the time frame of, of uh, Bernie's ascent in the early Democratic primary um, in, uh, in, in January and, and February of, of this year, um, Bernie kind of represents both a vanguard in 21st century American politics. Like he's actually going to talk about money. <laughs> he's going to talk about wealth distribution extreme income inequality, these things that in the, the culture is it's just kind of taboo. The orthodox thought is against that. Like we just don't go there. Right. right. Um, but he, a big it's thing just about, the way about things are, yeah. exactly. It's just the way things are that, that, that sociopathic <laughs> mindset that there just has to be uh, ruin and suffering and, and people being beaten down. That's just part of life, and you've got to you're incentivized to work hard and make money so that that doesn't happen to you. That's just the way the world is, exactly. But the the big thing about Bernie is that Bernie wanted a political revolution. He's saying uh, the the society's got is getting to the point where we need to make the changes that the, I think the protesters, even if they can't really put it into words, many of them mm-hmm. are, are saying that they want to be made, and I think. Mm-hmm most explicitly in terms of the things that Bernie emphasized was um, not to have a police force that looks like an invading army, you know, and, and by advocating for the nationwide legalization of marijuana, uh, uh, you know, ending, or at least taking a major step toward ending the war on drugs, which is just without question, a bad and ruinous thing. I mean, of course, that's going to definitely promote violence and it's going to promote paranoia and and distrust within the community. It's a major drain of of resources. But what we've seen this year in terms of everything manages to get yet still worse um, is we have rejected a a way of having a peaceful and and politically systematic revolution that will bring about the kind of changes that we need. And so now what we're going to have is, is we're going to have hardcore protesting nationwide that is taking place in a cultural atmosphere in which the peace and love element of the 1960s protests is essentially obsolete or has become irrelevant. It's Mm. outdated. It's just, it's too far in the past and it's not something that has really been kept alive and sustained and reinforced and built up in in the culture, which is my thesis about the counterculture is that once it began to ascend in the late sixties, it was either going to be supported and accepted and encouraged uh, or it was going to be beaten down. It was going to be ignored and uh, shut down, basically, which is what happened. And so then it kind of just broke apart and it became different parts of underground culture. Uh, and of course, it's not totally 
long gone and you can find pockets here and there in the country where there's a pretty strong counterculture presence. But obviously as collectively in an, as a nation, there isn't any semblance of a peace and love zeitgeist in the United States in the year 2020. I mean, I just think that you're definitely talking about a fantasy. If you're going to say that, uh, there is, there is such a, a good vibe in the culture. Well, <clears throat> I don't, I guess it's the thing is how all this unfold. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I, I kind of push back to on that because going back to my earlier point was that, you know, I don't think that the zeitgeist, the overall zeitgeist in the sixties was um, pretty similar to this, if not a lot worse. Right. Because really, those, um, I mean, despite what popular media and and the success of rock and roll and and all that uh, made it seem like uh, that, you know, the left leaning and protest part of the '60s was really popular and and uh, within the body politic or you know just the people. Um, I think in general, the zeitgeist was just uh, Cold War, uh, vicious, anti-communist, you know, beat up the hippies. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that was more prevalent, really, in those times. And that the, <clears throat> now maybe it's shallow or, or whatnot, but the really the popularity of all that, of all the, quote, peace and love uh, throughout the popular culture was way more than it was then. Um, You think there's more peace and love in the culture today? I think in in the popular culture, as far as the, you know, those images and stuff, you know, it was a very fringe thing. You know, it was considered extremist and radical, and you know, for why? But I think hippie, I did, did, hippie stuff, and it's not considered. You know, when you say peace and love, maybe they're you know, it's not taken to the heart of the same, but it's not alien like it was then. Um, so I don't know where I'm going. Well, if it was, I mean, it's I guess basically my point is that. Um, I mean, maybe there's some hope in that there has been a cult. There was a cultural tradition that was sparked by the counterculture. You know, all that culture, all that protest movement. You know, um, um, it kind of infused in the culture, and it's possible that it could come out and express itself. Now, um, <laughs> uh, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that's so, um, I mean, it's just like this week is suddenly blowing up, you know. Uh, just not, it's just so, so amazing how life just doesn't happen like you would think it's going to happen, you know. So, you know, slight optimism is that maybe it could go in a positive direction. But I don't think I don't think you could make much positive direction as far as how the media is going to cover it or how the politicians are going to deal with it. Um, 
Right. I mean, one thing I would I would have to say, I try to remind myself being uh, almost 51 years old uh, at this point is, uh, you know, I wasn't alive in 1968. I was born in 1969. Obviously, as a one week old, I <laughs> wasn't really all that politically aware and engaged. You were so a hippie I, at heart. I man. do know. I do know. Um, uh, what the zeitgeist is of 2020. <laughs> yeah. And all I can say is yeah. whatever protest movement is going on now, uh, it, it is not infused with a counterculture leftist thinking, um, peace and love idealism. Right. You know, it is, it's uh, internet and just you know we are uh, we are walking the plank and and we have to um and we we've lost our minds you know there there's no intellectual presence to this uh protest at all i am 100% supportive of it right. and i have heard numerous protesters make articulate statements just like i i mentioned earlier on um thursday evening when the protester got in front of the camera and said you know you, you media are part of the problem because you won't get up there and say it's wrong for the cops to kill people and that person was absolutely right the media should be doing that they should be reporting it and they should be saying it over and over and over again instead of shaking their heads every time they put uh, often a black person mugshot on the screen for holding up a convenience store or, you know, somebody's been growing pot. Oh no, that's really bad. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's why there's just such a hardcore uh, right wing element across the board. And all of our media is these horrible things like the prison state has never talked about, even with the COVID-19 spreading in overcrowded jails it never went to the point of, gee, maybe this is highlighting the fact that it's, this is a, another reason that it's wrong to have a prison state and to have overcrowded prisons. This would be a time to talk about it. Just don't, you know, don't, don't talk about it at all. Um, but yeah. to, the, to the extent that um, there was a, a leftist element and a, a strong peace and love element to the the rebellion of the 60s i don't see that at all in 2020 what i see is just a raw a, a reaction of rage and anger which i am a hundred percent in support of and feel myself but, but the that's what the makes danger is is that without some kind of yeah exactly they can be co-opted and well, that it, even if it's not co-opted, it just, it doesn't like, you know, you, you'll recall this. I, I believe I have said this in previous podcasts is that one of the reasons that I don't see any hope for things getting better is that I just don't think that the culture has the skill set yeah. to know how to improve things. I mean, it knows how to have that initial reaction. I'm not even sure it knew how to do that. I think that the coronavirus and the, the lockdowns and the stay-at-home orders 
have been a political force that have been a catalyst to fill a gap mm. of, of a lack of will that the people themselves on their own were incapable of coming up with because America is just so complacent and it's, it's such a, you know, technologically cushy place to live. Mm. I mean, we you, you have your internet, you've got your cheap fast food, you've got a couch to sit on. Mm. I mean, it's just not, you know, uh, we don't have it bad enough in the material technological sense that you can expect, um, that you can expect people to to really rebel and and fight the way that we see them do in other countries where they've been pushed to the point where they have absolutely nothing to lose that they'll uh, that they'll do this. But one of the one of the good things, to the extent that I can accurately determine what the '60s were like, even though I just I wasn't old enough to know what was going on, is I, I think that there was some real philosophical thinking about what was happening and people really tried to articulate why is it okay for me to say I'm not going to go fight in this war that I don't believe in that well, I'm going to question why the government has the authority to send me to this war for a reason that makes no sense at all and that just seems to be a, a a needless carnage and what's happened with suddenly a global pandemic, a lockdown, people not being able to, to go out now, 25% unemployment, and that this has gone on for three months. And now you have um, a, a climaxing of this police violence, this murderous police violence against, uh, against black people. And this horrible uh, act of kneeling on a man's neck in broad daylight in the middle of, of, of a city, uh, that definitely triggered uh, a, a massive uh, emotional reaction that is out of control. And I don't really see the, the skill set um, involved in terms of, for example, we don't have any kind of, uh, of leadership, like who is the modern day um, Martin Luther King. I mean, it's not Rachel Maddow. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could say that it could have been Bernie Sanders. All right. Yeah. And that's why. Right. But as you very well put it, he, he basically in the end went down like a chump. You know, he didn't say, I'm really going to stick to my heels and say what I believe in right at this very moment in history where all the things he's been saying have clearly become true. Like we can't fight this pandemic without a national healthcare system, without universal healthcare. Yeah. You know, we definitely can't improve uh, social relations and, and make America a, a place where you can actually have a social life. I mean, I just, uh, I don't, America is such an antisocial society. I know that's kind of a paradoxical or self-contradictory term, but I think it's true. I mean, you've got, um, um, the, it, I don't think you can really have, uh, I think it's very difficult to have a good social life in, in America. You know, the, it just, it's not a very inviting space, you know, because it is a police state. 
to do anything social, to be like, well, I think I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to go with my friends and have a good time. I mean, that's basically just been almost criminalized. You know, I'm to the point where I rarely go out or stay out um, that late anymore, just because it's not because I'm afraid, because it's just no fun. You know, there is just nothing, nothing to do. But but that is an example of how I think there is something missing from the protest movement of 2020 that was definitely there, and I think definitely a positive and healthy influence on the protest movement of the late 60s. There's no intellectualism, there's no leftist thinking, uh, and there's no leadership. You know, there isn't a Martin Luther King, and you don't really have these other iconic figures. I mean, I guess you could say uh, Malcolm X would be one, uh, but just even the fact if you want to talk about the music and the rock and roll, it seems to me that the, you know, the musicians were a lot more thoughtful and intellectual and articulate. And so was the music for that matter. You know, I mean, today's music, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't any of it that I like, but it, it's really just that it's, it's very competent musicianship. There, is, there doesn't seem to be much thoughtfulness put into it. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm I open. Mean, I'm, yeah, yeah I'm, you, it's, it's all media and, and uh, you know, it's all like a celebrity and uh, tie in the product. Like, and, do you associate Taylor Swift with or Miley Cyrus with being the kind of person who you would listen to at a moment like this and think, <laughs> yeah. well, everybody listen, you know, but, but if, uh, I mean, you could say, like, I don't like Bob Dylan's music at all, but, you know, he might have been somebody to, like, these people were overlapped with right. the anti-war movement. I think about Woodstock. I think about people like, uh, like you know, uh, I think Wavy Gravy. Wasn't he a pretty outspoken anti-war? Yeah. Joe and those people Joe that, Baez, you know, and her husband and all that stuff. Right, and those people that, that, uh, that did the, you know, one, two, three, what are we mm-hmm. fighting for right. song. Was that Country Joe and the Blowfish? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, you know, so there was at least some uh, leadership and some voice for what was happening, right? So you had this combination of thinking. And, and another thing is, uh, what about the influence of psychedelics? You know, because of our war on drugs and our obsession with you know, do anything other than just being a blacked out alcoholic, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. That just means you're a good, hardworking American and you want to unwind with 20 or 30 <laughs> drinks at the end of your day. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to if you want to take mushrooms and, you know, go out in nature, look at a garden, you know, go hiking. No, you're a felon. You're wrong. So, um, but but if if you don't have a that influence of psychedelics, because I mean, like there is no way to be, you know, one of I think the really good things about psychedelics is um, there's no way that you can be <laughs> violent or aggressive like when you're on those. 
you know, you're definitely like, wow, oh my God, man, like this is heavy. And, you know, you're definitely in your mind. You're, you're not uh, locked in. There's, there's a lot of, I think, introspection and reflection. Here in 2020, everything is this total extroversion. It's you're in their face and they are in your face. It's very combative. So no, I don't think that there'll be any hope at all for for, for this. Um, I think that you're going to see the beat down and the double down in terms of of the protests. That the, the, the eventually the, the stuff is just either going to die down or it's going to seem to die down because the media is just going to quit covering the really um, the the fires and the property damage. They're just going to there'll be you know, the corporate sponsors will say okay enough's enough. Just, you know, don't don't cover this and and it'll get beaten down. And um, and then there'll be the, the public, the the, the majority of, of America, which just gets more and more hardcore conservative, will look back on this moment as uh, being totally agreeable to even more extreme policing. Right. All right, let's uh, well, and everybody will we- get off on it. Yeah, so we um, we broke the 100k threshold. Hell yeah! Yeah, I've got I've got my numbers over here. I was actually wondering uh, one of the interesting things about um, about these uh, about this civil unrest is that it's eclipsed the pandemic. And uh, have you had a chance to take a look at the actual numbers today? Because uh, for for months they, the numbers were always on the screen, and now the uh, I mean, in some ways, it's a good thing because it's just you know enough's enough. But do you happen to have any any current numbers numbers for today in terms of worldwide and United States infections and deaths? No, I, I, I didn't look. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I guess. We're... But I know that it's over a hundred thousand. I mean, I've got my other numbers over here. The last time that I uh, updated. Um, my log was on uh, the 23rd of of May, and at the time there were 20, there were uh, there were 96,000 deaths in the United States. So, I guess the question is, is is it up to 110,000 at this yeah, point? Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. I got the. Yeah, if you can look it up, because then I can I can write it down and I can uh, I can give you a quick okay. uh, I can do some quick math and give you a update on the progressions. Cases, statistics, deaths are 105.799. Okay, uh, give me just a second here. Uh, what was that number again? 105.799. Uh, 105.799? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, what about cases? Cases altogether... Uh, one million eight hundred and twenty-six thousand 
Okay. That states we're number one. So it's just it's just one million eight hundred and twenty six thousand. Zero zero zero. Nine five zero. Nine five zero. Okay. Well, let's see. And today is again happy June, everyone. First day of June. So it looks 2020. like up about twelve K again. Well, it's been since the 23rd of May. It's been, um, just do this real fast. Nine, uh, uh, borrow from that. Uh, nearly 9,000 deaths. More. In the span of, of how many days is that? I guess it's seven. Well, 23rd to the 31st would be eight days, nine days. I mean, it's a thousand deaths a day. So, you know, at least it's kind of the, you know, it's not increasing the number. I guess that's good. One thing I do want to get to uh, is uh, I would have to say this was the first, uh, without question, uh, good news that I've read in three months, and it's from uh, the head of the San uh, Raffaele Hospital in Milan in the northern region of Lombardy, mm. uh, which has borne the brunt of Italy's coronavirus contagion, and this is uh, from uh, Alberto uh, Zangrio, who again is the head of the San uh, Raffaele Hospital in Milan who says the swabs that were performed over the last 10 days showed a viral load infinitesimal compared to the ones carried out a month or two months ago. Hmm. Meaning that they think maybe in Italy, at least uh, the virus has become less virulent. Hmm. Uh, now what we don't know is, is this, uh, do we have enough, recent data do we have enough recent swabs to know that this is true you know or i mean did they just like do two swabs and it's like oh it's it's far less virulent so um it that's one thing next thing is is this the case like let's say it is less virulent is that the case for the virus all over the world or is it just the case in italy because Italy is at least a month ahead of the United States but in terms of having you, to deal with this. When you say virulent, I mean, that, that evokes the how um, able... How destructive, are, how lethal. How, well, I mean, there, there's, there's that, or does that just... What he was saying is that it's just not around as much uh, that they were able to tamp it down and keep it from spreading, and therefore it's not around as much. It's not necessarily... No, I think, I think when he's... I think when he says the swabs, it, it means that they're, they're looking at people who are infected hmm. and they take these swabs hmm. and they, they look at the virus that they have. Hmm. And he's saying that it's, it's the, 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 the phrase that I look at is viral load. Hmm. The swabs that were performed over the last 10 days showed a viral load infinitesimal 
compared to the ones carried out a month or two months ago, meaning that the viral load of the samples is significantly less, infinitesimal. Well, I take to mean a significant uh, reduction or a diminution of the of of the virus, so that that it's possible maybe yeah, the thing has so. mutated and weakened. Maybe that's what it means. In other words, it's it just it's gotten to the point where it is it's uh, starting to putter out. Yeah, maybe it's it's puttering out. Uh, like, and, and that's what people says happened with uh, SARS and, and MERS, that it was around and it was uh, infecting people and it just, it, it ran its course. Mm. And maybe, I mean, my God, this thing went so crazy. Like it just, I mean, it really just chewed its way through humanity right. that maybe it has just burned itself out. Um, but, but whether, whether or not that will stay that way or if it will come Exactly. Back. I mean, and then the, and the other thing is, is let's say that for right now, uh, it is in a kind of hibernation um, mm-hmm. period, that it, that it has become less virulent. Is it going to stay that way? Or when the fall comes around, when it gets colder, when uh, the conditions are such that we have what is known as the flu season and it comes back, Will this thing come back, and will it get back to what it was? Will it, you know, frighteningly possibly be worse, which some people argue could happen in that it will be similar to the Spanish flu, where when when it came around for its second wave, it was worse than the first time. Uh, Certainly one of the overlapping stories has to be these protests going on where there is so much commotion, you can obviously forget about any kind of social distancing, self-isolation, right? I mean, that's gone. So, and the fact that, that these protests have happened, there's a big giant pig stomping on you, screaming at you without a mask on. Uh, Right. Right. (laughs) Will that increase the numbers? Yeah. That'll be interesting to see if there's spikes from the, protests. Uh, I mean, it's definitely true. There's been a serious uh, breakout from quarantine, you know, nationwide because of this. Um, now, I mean, watching watching the, the protesters and the people on the street, I mean, there's a pretty heavy use of masks. And it's kind of cool in that, you know, they can't say it's all Antifa anymore, <laughs> thanks to the COVID. Right, right. Yeah. So you have some predictions? Well, I um, I think that the um, well, I do think there's a possibility that there is is a real um, entrenched and and powerful energy behind these protests. Uh, I, I get the sense that they are going to uh, sputter out. They're, they're going to kind of simultaneously sputter out and then just be beaten down. Um, that's just always what seems to happen in, in America. All right. uh, I, I think that the protests are going to get beaten down. I think that the morale of the nation is just going to get overall worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be the beat down and double down. 
and then after that, everything will just become even more extreme. It'll be it'll be more of an even hardcore police state, and the majority of Americans will be all for it. Um, you know, they think it's okay that um, our system kills other people, whether they're other Americans or they're people who live in Baghdad or uh, Afghanistan or uh, Aleppo or uh, or black Minneapolis or, 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 or Yemen, right? Which yeah. is never talked about. Um, Hard, hardly, hardly ever talked about, definitely deliberately neglected. And I mean, Americans just have this crazed sense of, of superiority that, and they can't let go of it. Uh, you see it with how our economic system works that this, you know, no, there's no way we're equal. You know, some of us are way better than everybody else. And there's just this other people that are, there's totally worthless they don't try at all. They're not good at anything. They're total garbage. Let's just shove them down the garbage disposal. Um, and that's just going to become even more polarized and extreme. Uh, nothing good is going to come from any of this, uh, even though I think it has been a good catharsis. I mean, it has been cathartic to see some uh, expression of this, you know, outrage and this maddening, uh, oppression that, that we live in, but um, it's I, don't, I just don't see it lasting. And uh, uh, everything will get more conservative. And um, I mean, and as far as the, the the virus, I think that we are definitely, you know, by the end of the month, where we're, we would either have to be seeing uh, a, another significant increase in infections and deaths, or we would have to be. Um, uh, considering that at least for the next few months, we would be in a, in a period of, of abatement. Okay. So the, uh, but, so you're saying you think, um, you're saying the, uh, you think it will increase or are you? I, yes, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that, that, that it will uh, increase. I, I mean, just, you know, following the science, thinking scientifically, I don't see how it could, you know, the, the only thing that kept the, the numbers from, from going up or staying really high, which is what was happening in, in March and much of April, is that we did uh, enact these lockdown orders. You know, we, people just really, for the better part of, six weeks, two months have not left home. And so it was, it was already risky enough to say we're going to open things up without the actual guidelines of 14 straight days of a decrease in infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. Uh, we, we, we were, were, we've already been hasty, I think, in opening things up without even those guidelines being met. But with these protests happening, because I know that the protesters are pretty much younger people, but uh, much of the spreading of this virus occurs from asymptomatic carriers or vectors. And, you know, young people, like everybody else, eventually are integrating into cross-sections of the society. I mean, they are at some point going to be around either older people directly, or they'll be around someone who's around someone who's around someone who is around an older person. Uh, and as contagious as this thing is, um, 
it's it the science would say the the medicine from from a medical standpoint that it's going to spread and continue to be destructive and lethal the only caveat to that is uh, or the only um possible exception or rival hypothesis to that is it may be that we're learning that these infections and deaths really do happen in clusters and that they are primarily confined to nursing homes and prisons and uh, meatpacking plants, factories, and uh, larger households like the kind that they have in northern Italy, where the, the culture is such that extended families live together, right? A big reason that they got hit so hard was the younger people were out on holiday during Christmas and New Year, and instead of, you know, they all have their own apartments and went back to their um urban districts to live, they all went back home to live with their parents and grandparents and their larger extended family. The virus spread and these older people were all getting infected, right? These higher risk people were all getting infected and that's why they had so many ICU hospitalizations and then so many deaths. But if the, uh, if these uh, encouraging uh, observations from Alberto Zangrio, again, the head of the San Rafaele Hospital in Milan, uh, that the, there's, a, there's a, a significantly lower viral load in the samples gathered from swabs in the last 10 days, it could mean that there's a combination of the fact that there may have been some uh, strategic effectiveness of the stay at home and lockdown. In other words, it, it, the virus was cut off enough from just having open range on the whole population. You know, we acted too slowly, but we did at least eventually act. And if it's and if it's true that that mainly these infections flare up, these hot these hot spots flare up in these concentrated areas, again, like nursing homes, prisons, and factories, uh, maybe things won't be so bad as far as having a second spike in infections and deaths. But uh, I would predict that there will be some increase, and as far as the protests go, I think that we're going to have a a big beatdown and that these things will sputter out. Uh, Yeah, my prediction for the um, protests is that the revolution has begun, that um, the socialist revolution will be fulfilled finally. Um, wow. And um, so that's my prediction for next week. Uh, so in a week, we're going to find <laughs> one week, folks. <laughs> yeah. No uh, more incremental change. Yeah. It had to happen sometime. And uh, for the virus, I'll... Um, yeah, I think I'll 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 be insanely positive on that too, and and kind of go with the thing that um, I'll say that it's going to peter out, um, uh, never to be seen again. Um, within one month. So all right, man, good show. All right, well, <laughs> that works. Leaving it, leaving it on a positive note (laughs) 
almost certainly right, you, delusional. Uh, but you, you're the one who got to have. We we can trade off. Like uh, last week, you know, I did uh, my optimistic segment. You get to do the optimistic segment this time. Next week, I'll have to come up with the optimistic segment. My, my token, opt- yeah, Dave. Token optimism. Mine was uh, uh, a severe delusion. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll All talk right. to you next week, man. Okay. Have a good one. All right, I'm uh, I'm Dr. Uh, Dave Overby here for the Oblivion Podcast. Right, this is David Miller. On the 1st of June, 2020, along with my co-host, David uh, Miller. David yeah. Miller. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Adios.